right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Happy birthday to one Nick Springer. Oh, thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate um, that. We are going to be joined by Josh Briscoe coming up in about 35 minutes from right now. We are going to be joined by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant coming up at 440 here. Right off the top, though, uh, some news around the NCAA, the IARP back at it. Jeff Goodman broke the news earlier today. Sean Miller has received no sanctions in the IARP ruling. Dane O'Neill added that... Um, there will be no penalty for Sean Miller. He will have a 10-year show cause, or, or not him. Uh, Book Richardson will have a 10-year show cause. There will be a five-year show cause for Mark Phelps. All right, question. Yes. I don't even know what show cause is. So I I have been very murky on it because I thought it was one thing and I was explained that it was something else. But nonetheless, basically, um, my understanding of it is that um, basically if, if the coach goes to another school, they bring the penalties with them. Okay. So it basically, the idea is to prevent a coach from being like, oh, my school just got a, not that this happened, but my school just got a two-year postseason ban. I'm just going to leave for another school. You know <laughs> what I mean? Then the penalties would carry with them in the other school that hired him. And gotcha. basically, it, it their so idea basically is we're going to try to prevent, yes, yeah. another school from hiring. Yeah. That's like, yeah. uh, you know, Bruce Pearl, for instance, was, he was hit with the show cause but Tennessee still hired or not Tennessee, uh, Auburn still hired him. And they're just like, yeah, we'll deal with it. <laughs> you know? Um, 10 but, years, man. That's a long time. Yeah. Also, Arizona had a $5,000 fine, loss of one scholarship, recruiting restrictions. So basically, nothing. Yes. Wow. The NCAA strikes again. And there were some other things, too. You know, a two week ban on men's basketball campus visits. Um, Dude, a reduction in the number of official what, visits. This is worse than what KU self-imposed. Seven-week I mean, recruiting this, no, communication ban. KU, what KU self-imposed is worse than this, is what I meant to say. Yes. So that's, that's that why backwards. we bring this up. All of those things that you just heard. So, Arizona is losing one sco- – their reduction in, a, in a, the total number of men's basketball scholarships for the incoming class of the 2023-24 academic year by one. So they're just losing um, – one scholarship for one season. Kansas reduced three scholarships over the course of the next three years. Kansas had a six weeks ban, six week ban on recruiting communications. They had a seven week um, recruiting communication ban. So that's pretty much about the same. They had a six week ban on unofficial visits. Um, the Arizona one, they have just a reduction in the number of official visits by ten percent. And a two-week ban. So, less there. Uh, you have a 13-day reduction in recruiting days. Uh, for Arizona, it was a 15-day 
reduction in number of recruiting days. So again, very similar. I believe Kansas had a fine too, didn't they? And was it right around there? Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and obviously the bill self suspension. Yeah, bill self suspension. Which in this one, the coaches aren't suspended, so that would be more nothing than even they happened have. to him. Yeah, nothing even happened to him. So, I mean, is Kansas not going to have any other punishments? This is just another chapter in the clown show. The tomfoolery festivities, the all-around just complete buffoonery that continues to be the NCAA. They have no idea how to police their own sports. They have no idea how to do anything. First of all, they don't do anything. So not only do they not have a, not only do they not have an idea how to do anything, they just straight up don't do anything. I mean, the only thing they do is adjudicate tournaments and siphon money off of college athletics. That's it. That's all they do. They can't do anything else. And but they're very good at those things. And yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay, sweet. Okay. And on top of that, what this IARP business and all this crap just tells me is the NCAA in in some of these cases, they never cared about the evidence. They never cared about what actually happened. They only cared about making a statement or making a uh, I'm trying to think of the right word making like like Oklahoma State for instance Oklahoma State complied making Missouri. an example out yes, of them yes example yeah. that's what I was looking for I don't know why I couldn't think of the word example make they only they only cared about making a statement they only cared about making an example out of schools they didn't care about the evidence they didn't care about anything else other than oh you came to us and you you did some stuff you violated our completely obscure random rules that we don't even enforce 99% of the time. Okay. You're getting you're getting postseason bans for Oklahoma State. And look at the schools that have drawn it out and fought it like they've drawn it out long enough to where they didn't get anything. Louisville, Arizona, probably Kansas now. I mean, oh boy, it's just it's bad. It's bad. And I mean, I think every day we hurdle closer and closer to the possibility of the Power Five conferences or whoever saying, you know what, screw the NCAA. We're just gonna go do our own thing. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not I don't I don't know that that would necessarily be a better thing than what we have now. Because at least what we have now it's like stable, I guess. <laughs> and like everybody get everybody everybody, you know, gets along or whatever. So it's just yeah. It's just like I said, it's just another chapter in the book of general just complete idiocy of the NCA. So, I mean, again, this brings up two things. One, if you're just comparing them to the punishments of Arizona and Louisville before them in the IARP, yeah, it is the idea that the self-imposed punishments from Kansas, which some looked at and were like, is that really going to make the NCAA actually, or the IARP going to... Clearly it does. Clearly it does. Or it will. That is more punishments than those other two schools basically had. Um, On the flip side, or I guess not on the flip side, just kind of adjacently... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the fact that both of these cases have now been wrapped up and have come out, I'm kind of wondering if we're going to hear about the can Like, it, it wasn't just immediately after. It was, what, a month after of the other one that came out? So would it be so shocking think- if we heard about Kansas' so, okay. case in January or February? Time out. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is that randomly the RIP is, like, all of a sudden going to decide they're actually going to make rulings on these cases. Well, they did for those. Well, they've all been open for three, four years. I know. So why didn't they just make rulings then? Because I think basically they've come to the resolution, and now they're starting to get 
Like they're they're clearing their their caseload up, right? They're finally. It's like you have a thousand emails. They're clearing like, their caseload up. They're not going to exist anymore. They're not going to have a caseload. I know, but yeah, I <laughs> I don't know what you're arguing. You're just. I'm just yelling about random. I know. Stuff. I'm not. I don't. I'm not even arguing anything. I'm just saying they're clearing up. The what are they clearing up their caseload for? They don't have any more cases. Yeah, I. I just think that this is trending to the idea that if it's not coming, like it might come in the next month or two, and uh, well, my re- guess worst case it's going to be shortly after the season would be my guess. My response just based is on like, this. at this point, who cares? Like, obviously, it doesn't matter. They're not. It's not like it's going to be. Who know, cares as long as they don't have like a postseason ban, right? Or get like wins straight. I, from I mean, at this point, there's almost no way that they would get that. So who cares? I mean, really? Yeah, definitely based on the others. It's it's very hard to see yeah. how that would happen. And if it did, it feels like... Oh, boy. That'd be, that would be bad. Yeah. And also some BS, probably. No, that, that would definitely feel like, I don't know, that you got like overly punished from other schools. Because they got recordings of Sean Miller actively saying, right. we'll give DeAndre Ayton 100, 100K. Well, I think that's um, a pivotal part in all this. The fact that they had recordings of Sean Miller... Isn't that the exact same thing that you could say with Kansas? Well, they have some recordings, but they didn't use them in the court of law because they, you know, the judge said we can't or for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah, with Kansas, they had they didn't have recordings of Bill Self specifically. No, it was like Curtis Townsend. Yeah, right? they had Townsend. Yeah. So if they if they didn't use the Sean Miller, so ones, I guess the worst. Then why would they use the Curtis Townsend so ones? Right? I guess the worst case here for KU would be like Curtis Townsend or some of the other assistant coaches get hit with some stuff. But okay, here's what I don't understand about the show cause thing. Like, what punishments is the show cause? Because, like, let's say hypothetically Curtis Townsend or whatever gets hit with, like, a five-year show cause or whatever, like these guys did. What does that even mean for KU? Like, if he's just hit with that, like, K, like he's yeah, been the he's assistant coach. leaving co- for another Exactly. Job. Yeah. He's been the assistant coach at KU for, for forever. So, like, what that wouldn't even do anything. <laughs> no. no it would fine. do nothing. It would literally do nothing. Correct. Because he'll be at Kansas or retire. Exactly. You know? Yes. So. Which I guess doing nothing is the... The NCAA's favorite thing, so that, that would check out. No, I mean, I guess they could impose a, impose a uh, longer suspension for either guy. But it does feel like we're getting increasingly far away from that whole idea of, oh, they could get a postseason man, or they could even yeah. have the, the wins I mean, in the Final I mean, Four from 2018. Yeah, I mean, there were people with you know in KU that were probably panicking a year ago, or even six months ago. We're good, man. Yeah. We good. We good? Yeah, we're good. We good. All right, uh, I want to get to a uh, an interesting segment here. I I don't know. We we're, we're waiting on KU to be in the bowl game. It's actually two weeks from today. You can hear it here on KLWN. Pre-game will start at three. Kickoff will yep. be at uh, four thirty for have, the Liberty have, Bowl. Have you reached the stage of of the bowl game where you're just like you were excited about it, you're pumped up, and now you're just like, dude, yeah, can we just play it? I'm like ready for the off time. Now I do think like once we get to the week of, once we get to that like it'll, Sunday, yeah, or Monday, you'll be excited. It'll again. feel real again, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as of right now, it's just like, man, this is so long. Um, <laughs> what what offensive improvements are you most looking for out of the bowl game? Is there one thing that comes to mind to you? Um, I mean, we kind of already saw it with K State, but I guess just Jalen, just Jalen being Jalen, right? I mean, he's gonna have the, the like, I going into the K State game. There was maybe, like, you probably could have made the argument of, like, there might be still some question about his, his health. But then against K-State, he looks pretty normal. He even gets absolutely hammered at the goal line on a touchdown, right, back at the K-State game, and he ends up being fine. So, but certainly, going into this game against Arkansas, 
there is unequivocally no question about his health, right? So this is Jalen Daniels, 110%, the guy that started the season 5-0, and the guy that was a Heisman candidate coming in against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So I think you can just expect him, or I don't, again, I don't know if it, it's, it's like an improvement, but <clears throat> you can just expect to see hopefully that level of Jalen, which would be really exciting. And by extension of that, I guess the triple option. And then kind of something that we've dabbled with, the idea that we've dabbled with for a while is like Daniel Hyshaw. We don't know his status. Like his injury, we his injury, it's it's supposedly what, like a, a 10 to 12 week injury? Yeah. Well, that's about how long it's been since he suffered that injury. So what's his status? We don't know. So that could be interesting, right? That could add a, a, a an exciting wrinkle back into the offense. And really just the whole running back room. I mean, you would hope that guys like, a guy like Kai Thomas can get healthy, right? I mean, he's had a month. He can't get healthy in a month. I don't. I mean, I'm, I have more more concerns. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that running back room as a whole, right? It, it's not just High Shaw and, and can he return? It's, but I, I think even in the case of like Devin Neal, because Devin Neal, yeah, when he's been fresh, he's been unbelievable. I think you could see he was a little banged up for the Kansas State game, um, with some of the wear and tear he went in and and taking so many carries toward the end of the season. And I do have an just having him fully fresh, oh. you know. Yeah, I do have an interesting thought though. Mm-hmm. Against K State, eventually you get down to just Tory Lachlan as your running back for Kate. And I think undeniably, Tory Lachlan played a great game. Also had the fumble though. Okay, but he scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Played a great game. I think overall he played a really, really great game. Does he get rewarded for that? How many times did I say stop fumbling and he did not listen? It wasn't just him though. <laughs> I know, I know. But like does he get rewarded? I mean, I don't I don't know if rewarded is the right term for it, but does he get rewarded for that performance with like some increased opportunities in the bowl game? It's a fair question to ask. I I don't think they view it as Again, I don't think rewarded is the right term for it. I I'm trying to think of something else like uh, the the did he earn it or did, did he yeah. earn I and I guess it would depend on what he's looking like in practice leading up to it, too, probably. But I guess, basically, do we think we might see more of him? I do not, personally, just because I think with Devin Neal fresh and no game in front of you, he could get a big workload. Uh, if Daniel Highshaw is back, he could get in there. We're, what you were saying with Kai Thomas, like, maybe he's back. Savion Morrison was, I think he was sick for the Kansas State yeah, game, he was so you'd sick. imagine he'll be back. Yeah. I, I think Tory Lachlan will play, but I don't think he's going to have like a bigger role than what we saw against Kansas State, or just than what we. Or I guess you think his role will be the same as what we'd seen basically from the whole season, which is like yes. kind of this change of pace guy who they ran a couple trick plays for and made a couple different big plays in that in that capacity. That's kind of I yeah. guess what you're expecting. Yeah, playing kind of like spot snaps here and yeah. there or specific. Uh, Formations, but yeah, I mean Jalen's crispness, how much they're running the triple option is, is for me probably number one. And then, and then you're looking at, I, I think specifically from the receiver position, like is there any guys who are young or maybe got a little less snaps this year that with the time off impressed during the weeks of practice or, or maybe get a little bit more run, like a Trevor Wilson or a Tanaka Scott? Um, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't feel like Trevor Wilson's going to have any impact. I think Tanaka Scott's interesting because when you consider sort of the hype, I guess, or the discussion around him preseason of, like, Andy Kolnicki and, and other people saying, oh, here's a guy who's got an NFL-type body and he's making some great catches and practice this and the other, right? And then he has the, the off-the-field stuff 
that pretty much sets him back, basically. And then it felt like, you know, throughout the rest of the season, he was maybe trying to earn the trust back or whatever, this, that, or the other. So maybe, I guess, if he has, like, these three weeks of practice where he is back into this, where he was in preseason, like, making these great catches, like, maybe he maybe he gets a bigger role. I could see that. But I don't know. I don't feel like Trevor Wilson is going to really do much at all. I don't know. Because, like, he was already a good player. He has the out-the-field thing. He comes back. And what's he done since he came back? But that's what was weird. It was like first game back. They got him have the like ball. A touchdown catch yeah, they got him Baylor. the ball early. He got a couple catches but and he then, had a touchdown, right? Um, so that's weird. You would think, hey, you're gone for so long and you're immediately thrust into the lineup when you come back. You would almost he was think just like gone again. Yeah, you would think that. Oh, okay, he's gonna. I don't know. Maybe there was an injury there, or or maybe something else happened. Uh, I guess Luke Grimm was out for that game, and yeah, that's true. that can bump you down the depth chart. Yeah. Um, but yeah. now that you get this time would, off in between, maybe you can catch back I'm up. I'm definitely more intrigued by Tanaka Scott than Trevor Wilson. I'll say that. Yeah, I think I think though that position, that receiver position, would be the one that I would say if you're going to have a, I don't even want to call it a breakout game because that makes it think that it's it's going to be somebody who's going to have like 150 yards, and I don't think that'll happen. But somebody who you're not expecting to have a big impact or a bigger impact than you would expect in the bowl, to me, it is the receiver position. It, it probably one of those two guys. Yeah, because you, I don't think you could say if Quentin Skinner has a big game. No, that's... Like, that's not really... No. You can't really be like, oh, he had a breakout game because he played a lot and had some games where he made a I big I think impact. the way of terming it would be like somebody who didn't have a very big role on the team having a bigger role in the bowl game. Trevor Cardell, maybe? Yeah, that would make sense. But, I mean, Fairchild and Casey exactly. have been how so he get, good, how, right? Yeah, how does, he, how does he even get on the field in front mm-hmm. of those guys? Maybe it's uh, a guy like Kobe Baines. Right? I mean, he transferred yeah. from Louisville, kind of arrived late into the program, started to get some snaps. I think he had like 14 snaps in, in the final game of the season. Maybe he gets even more run and has t- kind of a breakout game. That'd be really nice to have that. because then Kobe he, Baines, you know, just pancaking guys. Yeah. So that would be one that, that I could possibly highlight. But yeah, otherwise I, I could see like one of Trevor Wilson or Tanaka Scott kind of kind of stepping up. Okay, yeah. Overall, I'm expecting a strong offensive performance. I mean, you're talking about a Kansas offense, which was really good this year, especially when they were healthy and when Jalen Daniels was playing and running the triple option. It's been an up-and-down Arkansas defense. They've got guys that have opted out. What's kind of the the target score that you look at and say, yeah, Kansas will probably be around that range offensively? At least 35. I was thinking like 34, so I think we're on the same page. Yeah, at least 35. Yeah. I mean, the over-under is like 70. (laughs) And I think Arkansas is favored by three, so that's basically what I'm saying. It'll be like 37-34, so that's that's right around the number. But I think realistically, Kansas could score 40 in this game. Oh, yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. Easily. And I, I don't, I mean, like I said, I said at least 35. You could maybe you could maybe make the case to say you expect them to score that many, right? If you're, if you're going to lean more on the optimistic side of Jalen Daniels' health, if you're going to expect them to run the triple option more, if you're going to lean on the optimistic side of they're going to feed Devin Neal, like, yes, I think 40 points is... Very attainable. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. We have Josh Briscoe talking Chiefs with us in about 15 minutes. We've got uh, John Kirby talking KU football recruiting with us at 440. Florida men Mad Libs coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll be back after this break on FM 1017 at 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson and joined now on the show to talk some Chiefs football with Josh Briscoe. Co-host of the Zone and Chiefs post game on eight ten 
You can also find him with Arrowhead Report on SI Now and Times Ours on The Athletic or give him a follow at JV Briscoe on Twitter. So, Josh, hope you're uh, living the dream over there. Uh, what right now would be the, the best-case scenario for the Chiefs in terms of their, their playoff seeding and path, and what do you think would be the worst-case scenario with what's possibly in front of them here? Well, it, it's kind of interesting because we're, we're seeing a flawed football team. Everyone can pretty much agree on that. There, there are issues still to be found on both sides of the football. But the best-case scenario is definitely still the number one overall seed, especially when you look at you know the other opponents the rest of these AFC contenders are going to have the rest of the way. The Chiefs' schedule is not nearly as difficult. So there's absolutely a, a very, very high best-case scenario all the way back to getting that one seed back. It's just not fully within their own grasp, which is obviously frustrating. And it's certainly not going to get worse than the four seed because that's the division. And it's not going to get worse than the three seed because the AFC South will make sure that that's safe. So uh, really, I think the Chiefs are almost certainly going to be one of the two seed. I guess they could be the three um, maybe you bet on the two if you're if you're feeling a little conservative, but they still have pretty much everything out in front of them. So would it be would it be disappointing if they didn't end up with the one or the two seed because of how open this schedule finishes out for them? Yeah, from this point, I think it, it definitely would because that would that would demand losing another game, right? For the, the two seed at least, um, and I think it was a little bit up in the air this off season when they were doing all the retooling, but. I think that generally speaking, you obviously expect them to win the division, which you get preseason, not the revision. It's preseason. It was not as obvious as it's been in years past. But you certainly expect them to win the division as like a measure of success. And I really think the one seed is a fair thing to, to have the Chiefs shoot for every year. They're obviously not going to get there every year. That first round by, it's just such a big deal. We're talking with Josh Briscoe here on RCST. How much and in what ways – have the Chiefs most offensively missed Kadarius Tony and McCole Hardman? So much. I, there are lots of different ways, but um, it, it was something we started talking a little bit more about these last two weeks, I think. It's funny, going back to an episode of The Zone, like the week before the trade deadline, you're playing fact or fiction with me and Jason and Lebo and Beard. And I asked uh, something like, uh, who's, the, who's the third most important offensive weapon on the Chiefs' offense? Because obviously Kelsey and Juju were one and two again in terms of the pass catchers. We all agreed that McCole Hardman was third, and then shortly thereafter they traded for Kadarius Tony, and those conversations started changing. Well, look, if, if anyone was on the fence, McCole Hardman being out for at least four weeks, that, that understand the impact he has on this offense. Not just in those jet sweeps and all that that action motion they do in the backfield. Tony can also do some of that when he's out there. The Chiefs' offense desperately misses that that gear when they don't have it. I think that's one of the huge reasons they drafted McCole Hardman the night when they weren't sure what Tyree Kill's future was going to be. It's why they traded for Kadarius Tony on the eve, not literally, I guess, but the figurative eve of McCole Hardman probably having his last season as a Chief, trying to have some redundancy at that position for that role. Because it not only stretches out a defense vertically, like Marco Azvaldo Scantling can do that. It also forces the defense to stretch out horizontally in such a massive way that, that thins out everything. Because now you really could attack any point on the field at any given time because of the combination of quarterback and all that speed. Not, not having Hardman and Tony has, has really been a limiting factor, even as the offense has still been pretty productive. That, that is another gear that 
I, I think it's going to make that unit look significantly better once again come playoff time. I floated this idea probably over a week ago or maybe even longer uh, about the possibility of of Canarius Tony being a guy that ends up just being hurt all the time and that we don't really get to see his full potential with the Chiefs. He struggled with injuries with the Giants. I mean, is there any level of concern we need to have about the possibility of him being a, just an unreliable or a player who's not going to be durable enough for the Chiefs to really get the most out of him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that as far as I can tell, that is at least a big part of the reason the Giants are willing to move on when they did. I mean, there, there might have been some of that disjointed stuff with the coaching staff and an administration that, you know, that drafted him is no longer there. You've got a new group trying to decide how they actually valued him. But the, the hamstring thing is a big deal. That, that, that was sort of on the label when the Chiefs went and acquired him. And obviously they said, hey, you know, he, he got to Kansas City and immediately was playing and looking good. And then, you know, the hamstring, the Andy Reid's phrase at the time was that it tightened back up on him a little bit or something like that. It's a paraphrase, but I think it's a pretty close one. And now we are weeks removed and still wondering when he's actually going to play. So, yeah, I mean – Here's one thing I try to really be careful about around the injury conversation, and I'm not saying you guys are doing this by any means, but I know a lot of people can get there. I really don't want durability to ever be reflected on a player as if it's a personality trait, right? Sammy Watkins being injury-prone, or if you want to go to baseball, Adelberto Mondesi is probably the main one that I think of in this conversation. People often correlate that with being a part of who that person is, and then therefore it is something you can critique. And I don't know what way, but I think we do that mentally a lot. This isn't a personality flaw. It's just an unfortunate mass of the uh, of the physiology of these guys. I don't know why Tadarius Tony has hamstring issues, but I, I really do think that that's the biggest concern right now for what his career in Kansas City will look like, is if he's on the field or not. Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Sammy Watkins because, I mean, I guess if he does turn into like a, a cheaper Sammy Watkins 2.0 for like the next couple of years under his rookie contract, and he and he and he does able to come back and is like win a playoff game, I guess would that still be worth it? I guess for the Chiefs, if that if that ends up what's happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't think at any point they really regretted the Sammy Watkins contract because of what you just kind of alluded to. There is that he was a massive part of a Super Bowl run and win. I mean, and, and, and he didn't hamstring the Chiefs, no pun intended, sorry. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't hamper the Chiefs even after that, after he was released ultimately, because it was just the contract. I, I talk about the Frank Clark deal a lot, and people kind of retort with similar things. I think it's a little bit different because of what the Chiefs paid to get Clark, but I digress. Um, yeah, if, if Tony can be a productive member of this offense, that, I guess the degree of it all matters, but it, it would not have to be a... 17 game a year player to be worth a third round pick, but it's really difficult to know that you can't fully rely on one of the weapons you want to build your offense around. And and that is where you suddenly start to see that it's not just, Oh, it's a luxury of having him or not. It's can you rely on him or not? And, and right now I, I hesitate to, to even project too far how we're going to feel in a year. If, if Tony just simply can't be relied on, even if he is electric when he's out there. We saw the defense the last two weeks struggle in certain regards. The Bengals game, they score on six of their seven drives and struggled with tackling and, and making kind of key stops at the end. With the Broncos game, you gave up 28 points to what had basically been the worst offense in the NFL coming in. Is, is there a worry level for you with the defense right now? And, and what would mostly lead to, I don't know, questions that we have about the defense at this time? 
Yeah, you've, you've got to be at least a little bit worried about it, right? And, and I've, I think I mellowed out from, from the beginning of the postgame show to the end of it on the defense against the Broncos in particular because they did get put in some bad situations by Patrick Mahomes. That is very rarely how that relationship works. It's usually the other way around. But it's fair to say, hey, like Mahomes actually like, just really put the defense on its heels. Um, at least those first two times, but the, the defense was never able to stop the bleeding. If they were a car skidding out of control, nobody really got the thing back under control again over the course of that game, and that is concerning on both sides of the ball, really. Um, in terms of where my biggest element of concern is, it's funny because I really do think I could take you from every, almost every player to Steve Spagnuolo to Brett Veach, where like, I just don't know if this defense has the dudes right now I don't know if I think very highly of the personnel across the board, just compared to the NFL average. But if they could be average, that's good enough because of your offense. So fair enough. Steve Spagnuolo, I think, can help you have an average defense. His blitzes need to work, and that's a little concerning that maybe those have been less efficient these last couple of weeks. But they've coached up the corners. I think Spagnuolo can give you a league average defense, and, and you're okay with that. What you can't get by without and what you can't be an average defense without is execution and literally just tackling. And some of that stuff is weird because I don't think that's a coaching issue. I don't think players aren't thinking I should tackle. I think it might just be Juan Thornhill having two really bad games in a row from a player who I otherwise think pretty highly of. Or Nick Bolton, who has never been anything other than a sure tackler, having a couple of his worst games in a row. I don't know if those are injury issues. I don't know if those are um, positions they're being put in. There's not like the single glaring Dan Sorensen type of deal where you just feel like you have a solution, which is both good because it's not that glaring, and it's bad because there's not a silver bullet. So I, I really do think it's kind of complicated, and ultimately this season's probably going to see the defense be roughly average, and then it's going to come down to how good the offense can be down the stretch. In just taking inventory overall of where things are at right now, would you say this team is better, worse, or about the same as they were a season ago? I think as a team, they're probably a little bit worse than they were last season, but I think that was baked into the math of the year, where their expectations were that they would be better than they were last year, a year from now. Um, I, I think that's kind of the investment, you know, at corner. I, I think really the hard part of it is that uh, the offensive line at best has not gotten better and at worst has gotten worse. Um, that's a little bit concerning. The defense having a lot of young guys, I was willing to give him time to kind of have everything settle in. But I, I honestly haven't really given that specific question very much thought so far because I've been really itemizing things in my head, I think. But if I had to take it as a whole, I, I, I do think they're probably a little worse off than they were at this point last year. I don't think that it's as evident as some people would have anticipated, though. Well, the Chiefs play the Texans this Sunday, so we picked uh, quite the doozy of a game to, to have you on for. Do you, do you have any thoughts on, on the matchup? Justin Reed today said that it would be, uh, I think he said unique or interesting, something like that, the quarterback situation there in Houston where they might just be sort of platooning two guys now. Uh, so that'll be intriguing. Um, on the field, I here's what I'm looking for. Will the Chiefs just let Isaiah Pacheco have this one? Like, can, he just, can this just be a game where he just gets like 25 NFL carries 
Is that something he's ready for in that moment? And can you beat this, this team with a relatively boring hand? And then ultimately, can you make stuff look a little easier than you have lately? That's what I'm looking for. That's obviously pretty opponent agnostic. But just knowing what the Texans have been this season, if they can just be efficient, game over by the end of the third quarter, never really in doubt, the, the, the offense isn't super congested, the defense isn't suddenly getting worked by a, a couple of quarterbacks who can't hold on to the job necessarily, I, I, an easy, smooth sailing game would, would go a long way, I think, to, to quell some fears about the Chiefs playing down to some opponents. Okay, well, I have a uh, another set of good idea, bad ideas for you. Are you ready? I sure hope you would. I've, I've always been ready. Okay, first up, giving Odell Beckham a two-year contract right now, even without knowing if he's going to get cleared to play this season. Um, Semi-good idea. I, I think the only thing I would change is that if you just said, hey, giving Odell a contract this upcoming offseason, I would say great idea. Really would be interested in that. Um, I just don't think he's playing. So whatever, whatever the math would have to be there, take my salary cap space if it's a down payment on 2023 Odell, happily. Um, I just I don't get the feeling right now that he's going to be able to make an impact in 2022. Uh, which of these is a better idea? Signing Juju Smith contract, or Juju Smith-Schuster, excuse me, to a contract that is worth two times the amount as Odell Beckham in terms of just per year, or signing Odell Beckham, which would be the, the better I guess, move next offseason. If you're going to make me double it for Juju, I, I'd, I'd probably go the uh, the Beckham route. But if I had to really guess, I would say that that will not be the exact choice the Chiefs will have to make. Um, the age concerns me, though, because Juju is still younger than anybody ever thinks he is because he basically <laughs> came into the league at 14. Um, so I'm, I would be willing to pay to keep Juju. Uh, but if you're going to give me value on Beckham, I'd be interested in that, too. Good idea, bad idea, making Chris Jones the highest-paid defensive tackle in the NFL this offseason. Good idea. I don't want to see this defense without him. I, I can't. I, it, I understand that, that where people are getting Tyree Kill sort of visions. I understand how the multifaceted parts of the defensive line working together are very important. I do not see a path in which this defense gets better without Chris Jones on it. Good idea, bad idea, putting the franchise tag once again on Orlando Brown. I think that is probably a necessary idea, if, uh, if I can tweak the rules of the game a little bit. <laughs> uh, even if they don't see him as a future, you need to have somebody who can be out there next year that's not making you rely on the 30th, 31st, 32nd overall pick uh, in this draft class. It, 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 any, any tackle ready to be a day-one starter is going to be incredibly hard for the Chiefs to get a hold of. It's why they traded for Orlando Brown last time. Uh, so I, I think that the move this year is probably this offseason, probably to franchise Brown and then also legitimately try to have his replacement on your roster. Last one. Only running trick plays off of the Michael Burton fullback dive at least the next five times. I think that we will absolutely see – good idea, first of all, if I heard your question right. Um, I think we are going to see that formation again in the playoffs. I think it will not go to Michael Burton that time. I think it will not be the little stretch toss to Pacheco. I think at some point we're going to see that formation, and Michael Burton is going to run into the offensive line with no ball in his hand, and Patrick Mahomes is going to do something silly. That, that is absolutely my prediction. <laughs> okay, I love it. Well, Josh, appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, anything you want to plug before we let you go? 
Um, I mean, we got the zone on a 10 every weekday. We got a new times ours out on wherever you get your podcast. We'll have another one on Thursday, arrowheadreport.com. You hit all the good stuff at the top. Just, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter at JB Briscoe or anywhere at JB Briscoe, uh, I'll, I'll try to point you in the right direction. Good idea. Always having Josh on Josh. Appreciate the time. Always a good idea. All right. That was Josh Briscoe. Again, give him a follow at JB Briscoe on Twitter. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We've got a uh, college football segment coming up next. We've got our KU Bowl games of uh, Christmas past or whatever. I keep messing up the name. Doesn't matter. (laughs) And uh, we've also got John Kirby joining us to talk KU football recruiting at 440. This is RCST. We'll be back after this time out. Four o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Coming up later, in the hour, we're going to be joined by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant to talk KU football recruiting, see where uh, everything is at right now with the transfer portal opening up in terms of players leaving, players coming in, and uh, also the the fact that you know we're we're getting toward the bowl game. How is that kind of timeline affecting things? So uh, we'll do all that with John coming up in about 35 minutes from right now. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio, has you covered. They're located right off I-70, and they're just five minutes from downtown Lawrence. So I wanted to to put a bow on our uh, college football season betting thing, I guess. (laughs) Um, We still do have the The national championship pending. The thing where we were bad? No, we did good. Oh, we did? What are you talking about? All right. Don't sell yourself short. I don't think I did that good. You did pretty good. I mean, uh, you didn't do bad. Okay. You didn't okay. lose money. Isn't that the most important part? Uh, that if somebody followed your instructions, yes. they cannot say you lost me money. Sure. Yes. I think that's that's a nice thing to have. You made people money if they followed your instructions. What did they provide you? Nothing. What did you provide them? Free money. True. Actually, yeah. See? When you look at it from that standpoint. Okay, yeah. No, I'm insane. Yeah. Don't be down on yourself. Um, So we went through. We picked winners for the ACC, the American, the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, the SEC. One other group of five. We picked Heisman winners. We picked teams who were going to be a playoff. And we picked the national championship winner. We, halfway through the season, did our college football season update. Yeah, update midway report. Yep. And you could add another team to the fold for all of them. Yep. And... You know, I will say, the one thing we did horrible in was picking the conference winners. Yes. So, in That's the end... I was, I was looking at the top, and I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Where did we, we did make bad. all this money, right? Yeah. Well, here's why. So, the ACC. I picked Pitt. You picked NC State. Neither one of them it. even made it to the title game. So, we were like, eh, Clemson doesn't have good odds. Their offense stunk last year. Yeah. That didn't work out for us. We didn't add anything midway through, because nope. midway through, Clemson was going at, like, was, minus 400. Yeah. So, I was like, eh, no odds there. Yeah. American, I picked UCF at plus 300. You picked Cincinnati at plus 210. UCF won, right? No, Tulane. Oh, Tulane beat him. Yeah. Right, Tulane beat him. In the title. So I actually felt okay there. They were playing for it. Since he was around the whole way through, those yep. weren't bad bets. You, I wonder what you could have got Tulane at before the start of the Probably season. Probably really you know? good, actually. I mean, they, they won like three games or two games here before, <laughs> so you would have never even thought about it. Uh, Big 12, I took Oklahoma. That didn't work. Midway through, I took Texas. That didn't work. You took Baylor. That didn't that, work. Yep. I'm sad TCU. Yep. Uh, Big Ten, I had Ohio State. Flamed out at the end. Yep. Michigan State for you. <laughs> Penn State. Yep. 
Michigan which, State was a long shot to begin with. Penn and State then, was your midway through one, and I that was, wasn't State a bad was a, idea. Yeah, I thought Penn State was pretty good. It was 12-1. to just, one. Yeah. They still hadn't played Michigan or Ohio State. I think they played Michigan at that point. They hadn't played Ohio State okay. yet. And then uh, Pac-12 winner, I had USC plus 225, which they I were thought in that it. was going to come home. Yep, they were in. You had Oregon plus 280, which nope. if, if Washington State would have beaten Washington? Washington in the Apple Cup, would Oregon have gone? Oregon would have played USC in the Pac-12 title instead, instead of, of Utah? Utah, and then who knows what would have happened? Yeah, yeah. But again, we're still over here on the conferences. So you're like, <laughs> how did these guys make money? Uh, SEC winner, I had Alabama minus one forty-five. I doubled down midway through after they lost just the one yeah. game to Tennessee plus. How'd that go? Did not go well. Oh, you had Texas A&M. How long did that eight, go? That was a long shot pick. <laughs> Texas A&M didn't even go. They didn't even make a bowl. They did not make a bowl game. Jeez. So we have not won any of these bets. We're losers. In my case, that would put me down. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Down eight hundred dollars because we we base this on so if we made hundred dollar bet on everything. Yeah, okay. just for 100. the sake of this. Okay, you would be down three, four, five, six, seven hundred dollars at this point. Okay, yeah, because I didn't because I didn't double down as many times as you did. Yes. Yeah, we did do our. You can pick one other group of five besides the American winner, and we nailed that. Oh yeah, I had Toledo to win the MAC at plus three twenty. They you won had this. Texas San Antonio to win Conference USA at yep. plus 210. UTSA got the job done. So now we're making some money back. There we and go. Here was the big winner for us. In the preseason for the Heisman, I picked Dylan Gabriel. Didn't work. He got hurt. Put up some good stats. Oklahoma ended up just being very mid. Yeah. I picked Tyler Van Dyke because I was Bad. like, oh, AAC or ACC's open. He sucked. He Bad. got benched. He Miami was. was horrible. Yeah, he sucked. Um, you picked B. John Robinson, which wasn't a bad strategy but pick, you know guess, he, he had a but... good season it's just texas wasn't good enough and yeah and he needed to have like a historically great season yeah you picked cameron ward at 100 to 1 which again yep. you know rolled the dice solid there. season yeah pretty good season i mean it looked good early in the year when they upset wisconsin and then we found out wisconsin wasn't very good yeah but here's where we made our money midway through the season we both identified we both took the bet <laughs> the heisman odds we were like you know i don't i'm trying to think who the the favorite at the time would have been was it like hendon hooker maybe yeah or cj stroud I think that's what, yeah, C.J. Stroud was probably one. Hendon Hooker was up there. Bryce Young was probably still up there. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, you know what? I I don't know. This seems like way too good of odds for Caleb Williams at 12 to 1. So we both took it, and boom, just like that, we're in the positives. Bang. So if you just listened to that, you really like us. Now, unfortunately, if you didn't listen to that and you listened to the other stuff, then <laughs> well, I wish I would have listened to it myself because I didn't actually, <laughs> I didn't actually place anything on well, Caleb this Williams. Be a lesson. I, I should have. Then on to the playoff picks. I had Alabama minus two seventy, didn't hit. Ohio State minus two sixty five, did hit yep. by the skin of uh, teeth. There, Georgia was only minus one fifteen to make the playoff. Which looking back on, it's like yeah, I know. I how? and I didn't pick them, which was just so stupid. No, you did. You did. Oh, I did. I'm yeah. just blind. Okay, I saw. Uh, okay. And then my, my I did a wild card. I went back to the Miami well at twelve to one. That Bad. did not work. Now I did make a good bet. This is where I ended up with a lot more money than you. Midway PCU. through the season, even though I picked Texas to be my Big 12 champ, I said I'm going to hedge the bet because I think what happens is either Texas is going to win the title or TCU is going to make the playoff. And you got TCU at 9-1 to one to make the playoff, even midway through the season. So that and worked that out. That was pretty lucky because honestly, I know. they still lost the Big 12 and still got in. Yeah. So I hit Ohio State, Georgia, and then the TCU won at 9-1. to one. You had Bama and A&M. That bad, didn't hit. Uh, you had Ohio State, which did. Georgia, which did. And then you added a Clemson, which did not. Idiot. So you total it all up. You would have made $334.70. Nice. 
And you still have the title game pending, which may I add, exactly. your title pick was Ohio, Ohio State, State at three to one. Yep. Now, doesn't look great for them with their path because they have to beat yeah. Georgia and then they have to, you know, yeah. win another game after that. But you're still alive there to make even more yep. money. But no matter what, you have at least made three hundred and forty dollars. So if they win that bet, you would be making over seven hundred dollars with the odds and getting the money back there. I have Alabama winning the title at plus one seventy five, so I'm not going to win that. Yep. But I have made, if you would have followed my bets with hundred dollar bets. So if you did $10 bets, it'd be $124 on those. Um, Do you want to each add? We can, you know, just like we did for the the midway through, add another title pick. Do you want to or leave it be? There's only four teams to pick from. You still get odds on a lot of them. Georgia's minus 125. Michigan is plus 290. That's pretty low for Georgia, I feel like. Ohio State's plus 360. And TCU is 16 to 1. Wow. The disrespect for TCU. I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to, you want to add something on there? I'm I fine. Mean, you can. I don't know. I mean, you you can since you don't have anything. What do you think? I'll add something. Playing with house money right you now. You risk all one $1,244 that you nope. have. I will not do that. Um, Even though it's fake money, I guess why should I not? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, just for the sake of this. Uh, I'll do 100 on... I'm tempted to do Ohio State with you. I'm going to do Michigan at plus 290. Okay. I like I'm going to hedge Ohio State with Georgia. Okay. So Georgia it is at minus 125. And basically whoever wins that semifinal game, you're just hoping wins the title for the sake of this. So even if both those lose, you would still now at this point make a profit of $234. I'd make a profit of over 1100 So good job for both of us on that. We'll have our uh, NFL one coming at the end of the regular Let's season. Let's go. So by the way, in, in regards to What's the that? college football playoff. Okay. It has just been blowout after blowout. We're going to do a uh, more of a deep dive on tomorrow's show of all the different blowouts and, and everything like that. Am I wrong to think that we're going to actually have a good semifinal this year? Like two semifinals? That we're going to have good games? Okay. Let me see if I can articulate this in a way that will make sense to you. I uh, Okay. I, I had this thought earlier in my brain, and I didn't write it down because I'm silly. Uh, my thought was, I think... The Michigan TCU game has the potential to be a better game, but I think that the outcome, like whichever team's going to win, I think it's more likely that Ohio State or Georgia, either one of those teams could win, even though I think the Michigan TCU game could be a closer, better game. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like in my mind, I in my mind, Georgia could easily blow out Ohio State. Like very easily. But I also think Ohio State could win. Whereas with Michigan TCU, I think Michigan's going to win, but it I think that game has a better chance of being like a better game. That did I Yeah, I, I okay. see what you're saying. Okay. You think that it's like like the I think of the two semifinals, the Ohio State Georgia one has a better, a better, chance, better chance of having both teams win. But the game that I think is probably going to be the better game is would be Michigan TCU. Yeah, so basically you're saying... Because, like, I also think Georgia could sleepwalk in and Ohio State could maybe, yeah. like, score a lot of points and then Stetson Bennett, like, you know, fumbles with... Because he's Stetson Bennett. And then Ohio State wins by... Uh, like, Ohio State can win by double digits. Yeah. I don't well, think that's that crazy. I mean, nothing has really bothered Georgia in this run. But the one thing that has given them a little bit of trouble on occasion is if you have good receiver talent. Like, think about the games where they maybe have been in closer games or have maybe lost over the past couple of seasons. You think back to the Alabama SEC title, which they lost last year. Yep. Alabama had 
uh, Jameson Williams and uh, John Mechie, right? Jameson Williams got hurt in that game. I think. It was toward the end, though, or wasn't it the semi? I think it was toward the end of the game. Okay, yeah. I want to say. But he, he played in the he game. got hurt in that game. But yeah, he I did play. Right. He did but play. he did play, and they had John Mechie, too. Yes. And then in the championship game when they played, no, I think Jameson Williams got hurt in the semifinal game. Oh, he did? Yeah, he got hurt in the semifinal game, and then in the national championship game, Mechie got hurt against Georgia, and you saw them have more success. They're just so good and so talented that almost sometimes you just have to be like, okay, we're just going to throw the ball to a playmaker in open space and hope like heck he can break two tackles, or we're just going to toss the ball up deep to someone and hope he can outrun someone or make a contested catch. And so you have to have those good receivers. That What does Ohio State have? Great receivers. They I, quarterback who can chuck I it around. Working actively working to confirm, but I do think they have good receivers. Yes. Marvin Harrison, absolute beast. Uh now no Jackson Smith and Jigba, who hasn't really played much this year anyway. Yeah. Not gonna be there. He, he certainly would out. help. That he would, opted out. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Uh but well, they, I mean, they he didn't opt out. Players. It was like well, I think it was like the situation where like he was gonna have a chance to maybe play, like he wasn't gonna be fully healthy, so then he was like, you know what, screw it, I'll just fuck I'll just, you know. Yeah. I'm not gonna deal with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm exactly. not gonna say, oh, I could maybe be 20 percent for the national title if we make it. Like, I'm just gonna opt out. Yeah. But I mean, that receiving core is really good. All right, Harrison obviously is the one that gets all the uh, the attention and, and deservedly so. He'll be like a top five, top ten pick. But Ameka, is, okay, Buka, that kid's good. Julian Fleming's really good. Is it possible that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the number one overall pick in 2024? I wonder. Has that happened? A receiver going number one. I mean, surely it's got to have happened in, this like, the 50s or 60s, right? When Well, but then again, the receivers weren't as valuable. Um, I don't know. Is it possible that he could go number one? Probably not, because I'm just thinking off the top of my head, and you could have Caleb Williams and Drake May in that draft, who are already being, like, oogled and ogled over by Wait, who? scouts. Wait, who? Uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May. Oh, yeah. quarterback. True. And just when quarterbacks are really good, they tend to go number one. Um, so that... Kind of makes yeah, I mean, a quarterback difficult. has gone number one every year since 2015. <laughs> Jameson Winston, or James Winston, Jared Goff. Oh, no, I guess there was Miles Garrett in 2017. So, since 2018. So, it's either a quarterback or a pass rusher. Uh, since, okay, hold on. So, no, since, I, I don't since think it's Since 2009, happened. every number one pick has either been a quarterback or a pass rusher with the exception of Eric Fisher. That's interesting. So, ba- but basically, no matter what, it revolves around the quarterback. Well, I yes. guess you could say that with every position. You could be like, well, if a receiver's he's the guy who's catching it from quarterback. But it's basically either quarterback, guy who protects the quarterback, or guy who stops the quarterback, right? Um, so, I'm no, I don't think it would it. happen. But I, I guess what if you did have a scenario where, like, you know how the Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence and then they got the number one pick again this past year? They took a defensive lineman. But hypothetically, oh. if Marvin Harrison Jr. were Here in the we draft, go. who knows? 1996, a wide receiver went number one. Randy, no, Randy Moss was later in the first round. Uh, give me a team. Is that going to give it away? Uh, the, well, he was drafted to the New York Jets, but I don't I don't think that really helps you that much. No. Because he didn't really like play. I don't think he was, his career was not necessarily with the New York Jets. Oh. Was he good? Think, uh, he was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I think so. He was he was fine. Wait, what team was he being most known known for? I think he played for the Panthers. It's not Steve Smith. He's too tiny. Like Moosin Muhammad or something. Hang on. I don't I'm 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 trying to look him up so I can give you Yeah, a... I have no idea. Should I just tell you? Yeah, just tell me the name. Uh Keyshawn Johnson. Ah, uh, okay. Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh Buccaneers, I think you won a Super Bowl with him. 
Well, didn't he play? Kind of played wasn't all over. The, wasn't the majority of his career with the Panthers? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I know he played a bit for the Bucks and a bit for the Jets. Uh, I don't know who else he played with. Um, but yeah, that certainly would not be worth the the number one overall pick. Oh, Good player though. Nineteen eighty four, another receiver, number one overall, Irving Fryer. No idea who that is. Who? <laughs> That's so. Marvin right. Harrison, do not go number one in the draft. Asks not to be taken number one. Nineteen sixty four, Dave Parks. All right. Now you're just making things up. No, I'm not. <laughs> Dave Parks. Lie detector this guy with the Texas Nick. Tech. What? <laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is uh, Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a time out when we come back. Bowls of KU football past the 1975 Sun Bowl. That next. Welcome back in to our next edition of Bowl Games of KU football past with the 1975 Sun Bowl. So the one we did yesterday, the 1973 Liberty Bowl. In between, Kansas went 4-7 and seven in the 1974 season. And then Don Fambro, I don't know if he, he left for another job or he was let go. I believe he left for another job because he ended up having another stint with Kansas five seasons later. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just retired. I guess, no, he, he didn't have another job in between. So, I don't know. He just retired, I guess, uh, and then decided to come back later. Nonetheless. Don Farnborough was was no longer the coach for 1975. Kansas brought in a new first-year head coach. That was one Bud Moore. Um, and Bud Moore famously ran the wishbone or, I don't know, whatever variation of bone you want to talk about. Flex bone, <laughs> wishbone, I don't know. And basically, like, you're running the option and um, running the football a lot. Things did not start out too well for the Bud Moore era. They lost in the season opener 18-14. to to a bad Washington State team. Oh. And so that kind of got things off where it was like, eh, we'll see how good this team is. Obviously, again, the year before, they had a losing record at 4-7, and seven, so you don't totally know how things are going to finish. And uh, Washington State that year came in as a team that wasn't expected to do much. They ended the year 3-8, and eight, so it was kind of like a, okay, this is not great. But you know, it was a new coach, new system, just took some time, and they bounced back yep. from that game. Some first game jitters, maybe. They won three straight games, 14-10 to 10 at Kentucky, 20-0 to 0 against Oregon State, and 41-7 to 7 against Wisconsin. Now, there we go. Those sound like good wins now. 41 points is a lot for the Wisconsin. It is, it is. But, like, at the time, none of those teams were good. Oregon State went 1-10 that year. Wisconsin won four games that year, and Kentucky was 2-8-1 that year. Oh. So it's kind of a soft schedule to start the year, but they were 3-1, and one, yeah. got things rolling. And then they played their first ranked opponent. They had to play at number four, Nebraska. And uh, that Nebraska team ended up ninth in the poll that year. They, they went 10-2 and two after they lost the, the Fiesta Bowl. So very good team. Kansas didn't get blown out, but they couldn't do anything offensively. They lost 16-0 to Nebraska. So now they're sitting at 3-2. and two, Still kind of mixed results. Okay, what is this team going to be under Bud Moore in his first year? Then they get a 21 to 10 win at Iowa State the following week and then they lose the following week 35 to 19 to Oklahoma State. So again, it just feels like it's kind of an okay. up and down choppy season, yep. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And then they they hit their I guess kind of stride. They they finished the regular season 3 and 1. They beat Kansas State 28 to nothing. That sucks Kansas State. And then they had their biggest game of the season. They were at number 2 Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, coming into that game, had not lost a single game in the Barry Switzer era. 
So Barry Switzer was in his third season as the head coach at Oklahoma. They had a <laughs> a unbeaten streak of I think it was thirty seven games. Wow. There was one tie, so it's it's not a winning streak. There was one okay. tie in between. Because I was about to ask, what's yes. the I wonder what the longest winning streak is. I don't even know. I think it is Oklahoma, but it was a different stretch of Oklahoma where they won like fifty straight games or something ridiculous. Wow. Um, so anyway, they they hadn't lost in thirty seven games basically, and. Kansas not just beat them. They beat them down 23 to 3 in Norman. Oh, that sucks, Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, that's What's that's clouds? one of the greatest wins in Kansas football history. It just oh, has awesome. to be. Yeah. And add to it this. Oklahoma that year ended up bouncing back and um I guess the path just opened for them. They ended up playing in the Orange Bowl against Michigan. And um, Michigan was ranked fifth. They were ranked third at the time. They beat them 14-6, to six, and I think the number one and number two team both lost in their bowl. Wow. So they ended up winning the national title. So Kansas beat the national champion by 20 <laughs> points on the road. That's basically like what Purdue does. You know yeah, what I mean? that's insane. So that was quite the win, and that got the attention on what Kansas could be under Bud Moore. Put them to 6-3. and three. It went put them from being unranked to a team that moved up all the way to number 17. In the polls, unfortunately, they couldn't capitalize on the momentum. Close loss the next week to a really good Colorado team. Colorado that year finished 16th in the AP poll. They went 9-3 and three after losing in the Blue Bonnet Bowl to Texas. Um, Kansas lost to Colorado at home, who was at the time ranked 10th, 24-21. If Kansas would have beaten Colorado in that game, I mean, what are we it's looking probably at Probably a like, top-10 team. Yeah, right. Which is crazy, especially after this next, because then they, they went unranked after that. And they took on 18th-ranked Missouri to finish out the regular season. That was another home game. And Kansas beat them up 42-24. to That was the game that Kansas had over 550 rushing yards. That sucks, Missouri. <laughs> I mean. 550 yards. 550 Jeez. rushing. Rushing. That's, That's insane. insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, if they would have beat Colorado at that point, they would have finished 8-3. and three. They probably, yeah, would have been top probably 10. Probably would have been a top 10 In team, the country. Yeah. Who knows what bowl game they get into then. But still solid finish. They went 7-4. and four. They finished the season ranked 19th. They were fourth in the Big 8, and as chronicled, the only teams who were in front of them, Colorado, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. Those are three top 16 teams in the country. So, you know, very strong year for KU. They were ranked 19th, as I mentioned, and uh, that was enough to help get Bud Moore the Big 8 Coach of the Year. He actually finished second for National Coach of the Year that year. Nice. Um, but as, as much as the the running game and the, the wishbone or flexbone, whatever, was key to them, they gave up just 15 points per game. The defense was really good. Although this does say a lot about the time that they gave up 15 or th- yeah, 15 points per game and they were 33rd in the country. Like nowadays <laughs> it's like if you give up 15 points per game, they're easily like, number 1. I know. Easily. It's like, "Oh, Georgia." Yeah, exactly. Um but it's just funny because 2 years prior, so 1973 was the year with the Liberty Bowl where David Jaynes almost won the Heisman, right? And they're just throwing all around the field. Then you go to 2 years later, and you only averaged 47.5 passing yards per game this season. But they averaged 348 rushing yards per game on over five yards per carry. Hey, man, that's what the wishbone can do for you. I know. Well, you've heard uh, Brian Haney and David Lawrence bring up, you know, Jason being the fastest quarterback since Nolan Cromwell. Nolan Cromwell had over 1,200 rushing yards at the quarterback position. He had 12 total scores. He was actually the team's starting safety. He was an all-conference safety in 1973 for the Liberty Bowl. He got moved over to quarterback. He was a a track star as well. I think his nickname in high school was the Ransom Rambler 
or something like that because he's from like Ransom. Um, but he was <laughs> unbelievable and great player and used his speed perfect for the system. Yeah, Laverne Smith added nearly a thousand yards. Norse Banks had over seven hundred yards. It was just a balanced, great rushing attack for the team. And so they were invited to the Sun Bowl and they got to play the Pitt Panthers, who came in ranked one spot below them at twentieth. They were also seven and four. So we get into the game. Okay. What has been a constant theme among these past bowl games? Dude, there's been controversy of every game. We had has. the fumble that wasn't a fumble, the call at the goal line that he was short or whatever. There was the what happened in the Liberty Bowl? It was a there was a it was a uh, twelve man he, on the he, field. No, 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 no. No, no that no. was the Penn State. That was the Penn State. Uh, it was he dropped the punt because he got tripped. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But and they determined he wasn't tripped. Yes, even though the video showed but that he was. The super grainy 1973 video <laughs> apparently showed that he was tripped. Which, like, listen, yeah. if the video shows that he was tripped in 1973, <laughs> I mean, you understand how bad that is? Mm-hmm. Refs, what are we doing? Well, guess what? More controversy to open the game in the 1975 Sun Bowl. Because KU, on their first drive of the game, gets an 82-yard touchdown Nolan Cromwell working the option. He pitches it to Bill Campfield, and he goes for 82 yards for a score. KU takes the early lead. Feels like they have the momentum, but the play was whistled back, called an illegal forward pass on Nolan Cromwell. What, dude? Give me a break. I didn't see the video or any oh articles that said they if it probably, was the wrong call. They but probably never call that. Unfortunately, on an option, well, that's just probably think, never called. If they. Especially back in, in the day then, right? Like, it'd be so easy to review it now and be like, oh, yeah, yeah that was a forward pass. Yeah. But back in the day, it and probably was never called. Well, Every team's running the exactly. option. Exactly. Like, know? if you're clearly running the option and you pitch it. You can't it, review it. Then, I mean, I would see, I would think that they wouldn't call that. I would think so, too. It's a crap call. I don't know. Terrible call. So, Kansas had a uh, later drive. Then it, uh, they got a stop from Pitt, who uh, missed a field goal. So then they get the ball back. They get all the way down to the Pitt 16, fourth and inches, stuffed. So now a game that Pain. could have very easily been 14 nothing Kansas is 0-0. You have no momentum. And Pitt gets a 60-yard rushing touchdown to put them ahead 7 nothing. They get two Tony Dorsett touchdowns to follow in the second quarter, one after a Kansas fumble, and then they scored with like 26 seconds in the half. So that kind of, you know, is a, a gut punch. You're down 19 nothing at halftime. They did fight back in the second half. Laverne Smith got Kansas on the board, 55-yard rushing score. Um, it was 19-7. Pitt went down, scored. Kansas went down, scored. They just kind of exchanged blows. Kansas scored a late touchdown and kind of garbage time to, to make it a little closer. They ended up losing 33-19, to and that was Pittsburgh's first bowl win since 1937. Jeez. And this is crazy, too. It was the first time ever in a bowl game that one team had three different players rush for 100 or more yards in the same game. Tony Dorsett, who obviously ended up having a phenomenal career, NFL Hall of Famer, he had 142 rushing yards. Elliott Walker had 123. Robert Haygood had 101. KU ran for 340 yards too, but it wasn't enough because of a couple turnovers and the fourth down well, stuff. And if you're averaging 47 passing yards per game and you're down 19 yeah. at halftime, you're, you're probably not coming back. Tough to come back. Yeah. Uh, so the aftermath of the game, Pitt actually used it as a springboard. They started there because of this. So they're ranked 20th. They beat KU. They finished ranked higher. And they started the next season, preseason ranked ninth. They went on to win a national title the following season. And I believe Tony Dorsett won the Heisman. Um, Kansas, meanwhile, actually started really strong that 76 season. They started 4-0. They were number seven in the ranking. So, like, there's a... Uh, 
an alternate universe where what I'm about to say doesn't happen and maybe Kansas and Pittsburgh battle it out for the national championship. I don't know. And Nolan Cromwell suffered a knee-ending knee injury. That's and obviously without him, yeah, you go 2-5 and five without him after you start 4-0 and in a ranked 7th. So unfortunate there because who knows tough. what would have been with that season. But, uh, yeah, uh, then they don't go to another bowl game until 1981. We'll do that on tomorrow's show with the 1981 Hall of Fame Classic. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to uh, talk with John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant and Rivals coming up on the other side. See where KU's at with the transfer portal, with recruiting. We'll catch up with John coming up next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson and joined now by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant and Rivals. And right now we're in that, I guess, little period right between the bowl game where obviously KU's getting ready for Arkansas and Liberty. But from the coaching staff perspective, they're they're certainly spending a lot of time and hours trying to recruit, whether it's in the high school game or mostly in the transfer portal, I'm sure right now with that opening up and, and the frenzy there. Uh, I guess first things first, we, we saw Kansas lose a, a handful of players so far. None of them have been starters to this point, but certainly when you look across the country and you see other teams losing 10, 15, 20 kids into the portal so far, we haven't seen that number for KU yet. Is that something that you view as, well, we'll just wait and see till after the bowl game, or is there kind of an expectation that, that Kansas isn't going to be losing too many kids out of the portal this year. Well, Derek, I think, you know, there's, there's two portal windows now. The NCAA came in over the summer, and they stopped the whole free-for-all, right? There was a time there where kids could pretty much enter whenever they wanted. And the NCAA kind of came in and said, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one at the end, end of the season through January, and then we're going to do another one later in the spring. So to this point, you know, I think Eric Gilliard is probably a guy that would have liked to have had back next year. But outside of that, I don't think there's been a player that's left that they're saying, oh, man, that, that one really hurt us and our, it hurt our player board and our, where we are in depth. You know, I, listen, Eric Gilliard was starting to do some good things there at the end of the year. He was getting used to the system. But outside of that, Derek, I mean, the portal to this point has gone about as good for KU as it could possibly go. I've been telling everybody since about October, get ready for December 5th. It's the day after all the bowls are announced, and that's the day everybody can go in the portal. I told everybody, it is going to be absolutely crazy, okay? Well, it was, just not for KU, which, which is good news. Now, there, I, I, I also expect, you know, when you go back and look at it, Lonnie Phelps, KU got him. He entered the portal after his bowl game last year. Okay? So I think you're going to see another run coming up here from other teams and possibly KU that when some of these bowl games get over, to go in the portal after the bowl game. So it, it'll be interesting to follow here over like the next four weeks. Well, and right now we, we haven't seen any – new players uh, commit to the program from the transfer portal side of things. And I guess same kind of question, but to the flip of that, is that something where you think it's just, I don't know, maybe harder to nail down kids till the end of uh, bowl season or, or till after KU has at least played their bowl to maybe put that, I don't know, finishing sales approach if, if you're the coaching staff when you're still juggling those two things? Or is that something where we could be seeing some transfer commits coming soon? Well, I think 
I think you'll see some possibly come here in the next week, okay, because this weekend, so Derek, I'll tell you another interesting thing the NCAA did, and I, I really think this complicates things for coaches. So classes start in the middle of January for pretty much most schools, okay? So transfer portal guys kind of figure out, hey, this is where I'm going to go. This, this coming weekend is the last official visit weekend that all the recruits can take. Then it goes to a dead period. I think it's late Sunday night or first thing Monday morning. You can't be out. Well, the NCAA came in and put in a new visit weekend for portal players, those transferring, the first week of January, okay? And they did that for the portal guys who maybe get some late, you know, some late stuff coming in or, you know, go in the portal late or they get some offers. So, the portal is a whole different thing because a JUCO kid and a high school recruit, they sign a national letter of intent, all right? So they're locked in. They're going to do that on the 21st. The portal guys don't sign a letter of intent, okay? They're free game until they step on campus and go to class. So, you know, this is going to be touch and go. I mean, you could get a portal commitment next week, and then over the holiday season, some school could reach out to that guy and say, hey, we want you, and the, and, and the player really liked that school, he could take a visit in first week of January or maybe the very last weekend that, that you can before you can enroll in school. And next thing you know, you lose the portal guy. So portal players are different because coaches are on pins and needles waiting for that kid to show up on campus, and they get locked in. So there is still a wild ride left to go. Are there any interesting transfer names that are in the portal right now that I, I know a lot of local people have mentioned the name like Arland Bruce, for instance? Uh, what, what names or, or interesting transfers uh, have you kind of most seen pop up on the radar in terms of interest from whether it's the fan base or, or players that you think would make sense? Yeah, you know, Arland Bruce, it was interesting that before he, like the day before he went in the portal, I started getting phone calls and texts from people going, hey, there's a lot of rumor that, that KU's already been working back channels and all this stuff. He goes in the portal, and every phone call I've made to people that are close to the situation say right now there's been no talk with KU and Bruce. So it's just funny how that works and how the rumors get started. But I think right now I, I don't see a lot uh, between the two. I don't see a lot of talk, and if, I don't think there is any at all right now. Uh, an interesting name keep an eye on is uh, Devin Phillips. He's a uh, defensive tackle out of Colorado State. He started every game there, and he is he is a load. He's about 6'2", six, 3'10". I mean, he had offers from some, from some pretty good schools. I think KU, is, uh, Jim Panagos, has done a great job recruiting him. I think we maybe hear something from him next week. Um, Andre Carter, he's probably one of the top defensive ends in the portal had like 70 tackles last year at Western Michigan. I mean, he's got Auburn and Ole Miss, and he, he told me he's still trying to decide whether he's going to take one trip or two trips. I know Lance Leipold and Chris Simpson were in his house yesterday, and, and I, mean, I think KU's got a real good shot at this guy. This guy's a big-time guy. I mean, Derek, this guy's a guy that comes in and, and probably starts next year. Okay, so I mean, he's, he's a legit talent. And another guy, another Panagos connection to keep your eye on, and, and we're kind of working to confirm this, but a defensive lineman from Minnesota named Gage Keys. And again, he's a guy picking up a lot of interest right now. I think it could be down to like maybe Virginia Tech and KU, and Panago signed him 
when he was at Minnesota. So this guy goes into the portal. So, you know, again, another another connection deal. So th- those are some guys there. I look for them to – I still look for them to they're, – they're going to go after a kicker. Okay, so, I mean, you know, keep your eyes on kickers. I'm tracking a couple of those guys right now. But this portal is going to be an ongoing thing, Derek. I think we're going to still see names added to KU or subtracted from KU. This is going to go through the holidays. Yeah, and I, the, the, I'm glad you answered the, the part about the kicker because I was going to ask you about that, and, and certainly that'll be a one, one target of interest. Now, one theme we saw from last year was – with the exception of a guy like Lorenzo McCaskill, for instance, but he was he was a late add. It was multiple year players, so guys that could come in the program and be with the program for a few years that they weren't just getting one year out of it. Do you envision that will be the same this season, or do you think they'll take maybe a little bit more of the the one year guys? Well, two guys that I just talked about there, Andre Carter and Devin Phillips, they're both one year players. Okay. But you take those guys. You absolutely take them because you've got the rule change now that says you you just get to eighty five scholarships. They don't care how how many you're using. Just get to eighty five. So now all of a sudden, those one year guys don't matter that much because now you you bring those guys in. They contribute. They play. They help you win. Right. You hopefully they help you shore up your defensive line, and then they're gone. Then you go back and do it all again. Okay, it's not like the old days where when you got that, it counted against you, and then you know one-year guys were harder to replace. Now with the new rules, you go plug and play, and if they're here one year, they're gone. You go back out in the portal the next year, and if you find two or three more one-year guys, you take them. You hope they come in and help, and then they're gone, and you just you just keep recycling them now with the rule change. On the the flip side of this, with the high school side of things. Are they pretty much filled up for the amount of high school kids they want to bring in, or, or are they trying to get that number up a few more? Or does that kind of depend on on what they do in the transfer portal? Yeah, I, I think. Listen, you know, I, I say this, and I said this last year. I think the high school thing has pretty much dwindled down. I think the focus now will be on JUCO transfers and portal guys. But then last year, Brian Dilworth, the corner, was committed to Auburn. Okay. They parted ways, and he became available late. So I sit here and say, I think the focus will be junior college guys and then portal. However, if some guy comes up that there's a connection to or they can get in on, and maybe some school dropped him that's a heck of a football player, you know, you never know what's going to come around late. But but I definitely think the high school thing will slow down. There, there's a kid named Isaiah Kimma down in Texas, an offensive lineman. Uh, interesting story, Derek, his dad, Troy, worked at KU and was the academic advisor for the football program. They moved to Texas, and his dad's at A&M now. But I think KU's going to be in his final two, final three, and he could decide soon. So there's still a high school guy, you know, sitting out there right now. We're talking with John Kirby here of Jayhawk Slant and Rivals. Calvin Clements was the most recent of those high school commits. How, how big of a get is that for Kansas as a program? Well, it's huge. I mean, it's huge because just from a local standpoint, I mean, look at look at what the mileage that they've gotten publicity from Devin Neal. Okay, I mean, Devin Neal is one of the guys who's the face of the program. He is a local guy. They sell him on local recruiting, and now you've got Calvin Clements, this guy who's who's highly rated. He's been committed to Baylor forever. He flips, and I just think that lends credibility to 
local recruiting that they can keep. Listen, that's it's crazy to me, Derek. Being we could sit here and talk about this and take up your whole show, but local recruiting for Kansas, I don't want to say they've struggled, okay, but it's just been hard to get a to get a hold on it because Kansas State had such a head start when Leipold got here, okay, and then you've got your schools, you know, the Missouris and Oklahoma's, Oklahoma State's, Nebraska's. They're they're in this area on the top notch players, so it, it, it's a very competitive situation. And I've always it's always been strange to me. Kansas can recruit as good or better high school players sometimes going further from the area. Okay, now that they've started to turn it around, they're starting to win, they're going to bowl games, you know, you get a kid like Clemens. Now there's some things you can build on and you can start selling the local guys. But, but boy, I'll tell you, Clemens is big from that perspective. And also the fact that they just kind of stayed on it. You know, there was a, you know, one thing I thought was interesting that Clemens told me was, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, did Fook stay on you during the recruiting process, even though you committed to Baylor? He said, you know, he did in a way, but then he didn't. He said the one thing he liked was KU gave him his space. They, they, they weren't hounding him, and it just kind of happened and worked out, you know, that, that they did it the way he wanted. Yeah, it's a cool story, and, and certainly we've seen too many of, of the local kids end up playing for, for someone else. Um, so, Going back to the the whole scholarship thing with with that new rule that you can get up to eighty five, I would imagine are are they going to leave some scholarships open for the spring when some other players transfer out of other schools, or is that something where they'd rather just fill up and and they'll just replace whatever they lose in the spring? Well, I think you know in a perfect world you'd like to get as many as you can right now. Um, th- there's always going to be that window that opens in the spring, and they hey listen they got a few guys. Last spring, I mean, Dominic Pooney, right? I mean, whoever thinks that the guy coming from Central Missouri State is going to come in that they get, you know, in February or March and come in and start every game for you. So, they'll, I think there will still be some open for the spring, but I think the goal is going to be to get as close to that number as you can so you're not scrambling as much in the spring. Well, before we let you go here, um, obviously Arkansas is going to be the Liberty Bowl matchup that's in two weeks from today. Do you have any thoughts on on the game between uh, the Jayhawks and the Razorbacks? Yeah, you know, um, Derek, it's going to be looking at Arkansas on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think it's going to depend on who's there and who's healthy and who hasn't entered the portal. And, you know, so they've lost some guys there offensively. I do think Arkansas is a tough matchup for KU's defense because they do really well what KU has not stopped, and they are big and physical up front, and this will probably be the best quarterback-running back combination that they faced all year. Okay, I mean, now Arkansas is going to move the ball, and, and they'll score points. So uh, if, if, if KU wins this one, I think it's going to be, have to be one of those games in the 30s or 40s. He is John Kirby. You can check out all his work, Jayhawk Slant through uh, Rivals, and uh, certainly worth the subscription. John, appreciate the time. All right, Derek, take care. That was John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant joining us here on Rock Shock Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. Two hours down, one to go. We've got Florida Man Mad Libs. We've also got a uh, fun conversation about Jalen Wilson and KU. Could he wind up being the most accomplished Bill Self player? We'll discuss next Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. And it is that time on a Wednesday. We welcome in a third. That would be one Sam Speck. 
as we have another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. That's right. Afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you always, of course, having me here. I got to update the uh, the standings here. We're in season two officially. Derek took week one. Yeah, uh, I got crushed in week one. And Nick's got to do a little comeback. You you didn't do too bad in points, but again, the W did go in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you only did get one point, actually, but I think, Derek, what'd you get? Three? Three, maybe four? Yeah, something like that. It's but like four to one see, in week one. So I feel bad now because what am I supposed what? to do? Today is Nick's birthday. Uh oh. Oh. Do yeah. I let him win? No, no, no. no. You got to challenge him. Because no. then, don't then go, you no. feel horrible if I beat him. No, don't but go I easy on me this. for my birthday. No. This is kind of what happened last week. I think you heard a headline, maybe thought about it. And then today I come into the studio, and guess what? You heard about another Florida Man headline. So I think Derek, no, Derek is, either, is on the cusp of he cheating is, multiple times. I'll tell you what. So anyway. He's walking a very, very tight line. Thanks again. Uh, I have a full-blown NCAA IARP <laughs> investigation <laughs> that into, what, years. into so, what Derek yeah. is doing. Well, yeah, we're going to issue, issue a ruling in 2032. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. So first round again, one redacted word. It's worth one point. Second round, there's three questions, uh, three headlines, I guess I should say, with two redacted words, and those are worth a little bit more. But let's start with round number one. Uh, this one was also a little bit... Uh, kind of recent as well, but a Florida man tried to take a free ride on a blank, but then took a ride to jail. <laughs> Gotta love these headlines, whoever's writing this one. That was fantastic. <laughs> but here's the three words that might be that one redacted one. Florida man tried to take a free ride on an alligator. Of course, you got to throw that in a Florida man one. <laughs> a yacht. is Miami, you know, rich area. Yeah, so yeah. Florida one. man, yeah. Or yeah. manatee. Yeah, let's just throw that one in there. So, a an manatee? alligator, a manatee, or a yacht then took a ride to jail. So, oh boy. Well, I mean, okay, I'm confused because what what crime is occurring if you attempt to ride an alligator or a manatee? Depending on but where I, it is. I mean, I is guess. it like it animal could be a protected? Species. Is it like yeah. animal abuse yeah. type or thing? Or if it's in like a reserve or a zoo? I guess. Or yeah, something. I guess if it's yeah. like in a zoo. Okay, that makes sense. But I'm just thinking like. I mean, obviously it's stupid, and if it's an alligator, it's dangerous. But like, what part of that would would then send you to jail? I, it, I mean, because the yacht, obviously, you know, if it's not his yacht, that's property. Yeah, that would make exactly. sense. But like, I don't know. So we got manatee, alligator, but, but or yacht. Because of that, ideas? I don't think it's yacht. Okay, I think so it's one of the animals. Nick's going with the animals. What do you mean? But I think it's going to be. What I'm is gonna, a manatee? Like, it's you don't know what a manatee is? I think I do. <laughs> you don't know what a manatee is? It's literally just a fat, a massive like, sea lion-looking thing. It's huge. They are but it's enormous. Like, yeah, they're massive. Okay, I think it. But do, like, are they land mammals or are they like? No, they're in the they, ocean. They're in the they ocean. They swim around. Yep. I feel like that'd be tough to be in a situation where you could get on one, right? Well, and again, this presents to where was he trespassing in his zoo? That's true. Yeah, it could have been. They have manatees at like Sea World or something. Something. Yeah. Is there even a Sea World in Florida? Yeah, no, there is. There's one in Orlando. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I, I don't know. I'm not going manatee. Um, yacht makes too much logical sense, <laughs> but this is not a game of the logical. I guess I'll go alligator. I'm going to go with manatee. And Nick going with manatee. Here is the full unredacted first round headline. Florida man tried to take a free ride on a manatee and ah, then took a bang. ride to jail. And it was. So anymore. was it in a yeah. zoo or yes, what? Yes, it was. It was okay. in an enclosed area. Okay. I believe he was arrested more or less on um, trespassing charges. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, seriously, like, if you're just out in public and there's an alligator. I don't even think manatees are just... native to the United States, are they? I no, think I think they are. I think they're like, they live off the are coast. Are they off the East Coast or something? Yeah, they okay, okay, that makes yeah. sense. All right, so Nick comes away with one point. On the board. And now let's get into the second one here. So I had to take away one because, of course, Derek was, was cheating right now. No. Okay, so let's get into it. Two redacted words here, and this will be a fun one. A Florida man 
ripped a blank from a restaurant, then went, excuse me, and then ran away blank into the woods. So again, two redacted words, three potential points, but we'll start with the first one. A Florida man ripped the menu off a wall from a restaurant, a fire hydrant from a restaurant, or their urinal from a restaurant. And let me read that again. I said their urinal. That's not how it would have been written for the people focusing on the dialect here, Derek. But again, Florida man either ripped the menu off the wall from a restaurant, urinal from restaurant, or the fire hydrant from restaurant. And then we'll get to the second redacted word here shortly. So it's it's a pretty good effort on all three of these, by the way. Yeah, so, I mean, the menu, I think, could make sense because if he's like, the guy's mad about the prices or something, or he's like, man, this is BS or whatever, and he just takes the menu. And then, okay, I'm questioning the urinal because aren't urinals, like, pretty heavy? And aren't they, like, pretty solidly, like, bolted to the wall or whatever? They can't. Well, I mean, depending on the the condition of them. Is this, like, Superman or the Hulk or something? Well, I mean, I wonder if you just, like, stood... Because you know how it's it's elevated. It's not, like, on the ground. If you stood on it and put all your weight on it and, like, jumped on it, do you think it would break? I don't know. But then you still have to pick it up and carry it. Yeah, I don't know. And if you jumped on it and smashed it, it's ceramic, so wouldn't it then break? I don't I, think they're that light is what I'm trying to get at. What was the other option? Uh, so we have their oh, fire, fire hydrant. Oh, the, fire, the, the, the oh, fire, fire hydrant. Oh, hydrant. Yeah, the hydrant. So uh, How do every, you get that out of the ground? <laughs> you know? The urinal okay. off the wall or the menu. I thought, it was, I thought it was fire extinguisher. No, no. No, no. Fire hydrant. So it, okay, well, it, that wait, give, me, give me the first part of it with the blank, please. <laughs> Florida man ripped blank from restaurant and ran away blank okay. into the woods. So I'm conf- wait. I'm confused by the fire hydrant. Then, like, was it just in the front? In the in Probably front of it, the parking lot, or like parking right lot? in front of it. I don't know like how. That. I don't know. Or a I'm shopping gonna... center or something of, of that. Yeah, I, I don't know how he did it, but I'm going with fire hydrant. So he's going with fire hydrant. Okay, so he's going with the I'm Hulk gonna... strength or that uh, that weird Florida man. Yeah, I'm gonna... strength or something. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'll just go with menu. I don't. I don't know. I really don't have a good read on this one. Okay, so. Uh, let's get to the first redacted word here, and both of you were actually wrong. It was a urinal. I don't know how it happened uh, or what happened, but a Florida man ripped urinal from restaurant and then ran away blank into the woods. So let's get to the second blank here. He ran away screaming into the woods, naked, or skipping into the woods. So Oh, it's, it's got to be. either really jolly, really free, or really angry. It's got to be naked. So Nick, are you are you locked naked. in on that one? I'm locking in naked. All right, Nick's going naked then. I think it is naked because I think <laughs> <laughs> because he, you know, if he's he, in the bathroom, maybe right. yeah, exactly. he's in the bathroom for whatever reason, unbeknownst to anybody but him. He takes all his clothes off to use the urinal, and then I don't know, the urinal breaks or something goes wrong with it, and he just is like, you know what? Or maybe it was so great he was like, this would go perfectly in my house. I'm just gonna take it with me. This is honestly my favorite part of the the uh, the segment here is you guys trying to explain it. But uh, let's get to it here. So we're both locked in on um, uh, what did you guys lock in on there? Uh, naked. Yeah. Naked. Right? So yeah, Nick naked. and Derek with naked there, and you're correct. So you both okay. come away with one point. Florida there we go. ripped a urinal from a restaurant and ran away naked into the woods. So uh, I'm telling yeah. you, he was he he liked the way it it did the job for him, and he just took it with him. Wanted to take it with him back well, to the house. Well, I did want to get to this, so uh, good to you. Nick now up two to one after two rounds here. This is the one that uh, I had to redact from the entire, but this was three days ago, I think, actually. Florida man accused of hitting his wife with a Christmas tree after being asked 
to make dinner. So, boys, so this is the one that Derek. It might earlier. be time to uh, throw some turkey in in the oven or something like that, and 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 just put your part in making dinner, so we don't have to come up with this. But other than that, what a overreaction that is. But let's get to our now third one. Florida man disguised in blank attempts to break into ex's house using blank. So we'll get to the first one here, and I say disguised because again. Can't really disguise yourself much in these. Florida man disguised in either a Grinch costume, is tis the season, might as well, a bull costume, so an like animal. A, like a bull? Or just a tuxedo. Like a B-U-L-L or a B-O-W-L? No, 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 no. I'm kidding. A B-U-L-L, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a bull costume, a Grinch costume, or just a tuxedo as he attempts to break into his ex's house. And we'll get to the second redacted word moment. So the headline actually uses the word disguised. Correct. And they even put quotes around it, which is why I tried to give the air quotes here. Oh, okay. Yep. So Florida man quotes, okay. disguised because it was pretty easy to... F- no, okay. I understand. To, to, to no, I understand. Out, but, yeah. but a bowl costume, Grinch costume, or the tuxedo. And am I so, throwing you out? I don't know. The disguise, the disguise thing on its face makes you think it's probably not tuxedo. But if it's air quotes around the disguise, I'm starting to lean back into the yeah, idea that it could, could be disguised as like a businessman or something, you know, that's or just like going a, door to door and well, seeing if no, nobody's at home. If I'm going with the tuxedo idea, this could be like a situation where he was like, they went to a fancy place or something, he and his, his, his girlfriend did, and then she got mad at him and left. And then he was like, ah. still dressed in his tuxedo. So he goes back and is like mm-hmm. trying to break in. I see. So a bad date night. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see. So are you I'm gonna, locking in tuxedo or what you going here? Tuxedo, uh, the Grinch, Grinch costume, costume or bull costume? The Grinch costume is, is obviously probably the most, uh, the best option, but I'll I'll go with tuxedo. I'll go tuxedo. With tuxedo here. Derek, what do you think? My, my favorite option was the Grinch one, so I'm glad Nick didn't take it because I'm down right gotta now. Point, so yeah. I need something else anyway. Well, um, yeah, I'm going to go Grinch costume. So locking in on the Grinch costume, and this was actually supposed to be one that threw you off on the Christmas one because the last one, it was a bull costume, actually, what? that he was disguised okay. in. Like in the back. Okay, and saw now, the serious now, question. Guys hold on, hold on, hold on. The, uh, hang on. If you were to see, it was more of like a centaur because if okay. you were to see the actual costume, it was basically the back end of the bowl and then the top half of him was completely exposed so oh, okay so it was a situation where it was like one of those two-man costumes but it was just yes. him by himself he was alone okay. and his face was completely See, exposed that's what i was confused was, by it's like <laughs> well how i mean do you when you go uh, to like a, a a costume store halloween store how often do you just see a bull costume as an option, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty hard. But again, the fact that he even decided to wear the costume when he it didn't help at all. I mean, you could see his face. It's like you know. I, th- I think you're I think you're giving this guy too much credit for trying to think. There. Nobody got the point there, but that one was a tough one, and this one might be even a tougher one because he's attempting to break into his ex's house either using a brick from the front yard. It doesn't say from the front yard, but you know a brick, a brick, okay. Neighbors' Christmas decorations. Or a jar of pasta sauce. And it doesn't say a jar of pasta sauce. It just says pasta sauce. I'm just trying to say that for dialect. So brick, pasta sauce, or neighbor's yard decoration. <laughs> well, it's got to be pasta sauce. It's got to be. Are you sure? I, mean, I, maybe, I think it maybe is. Maybe I just put that one in there. Right? I just It's just so its so absurdly hilarious that I'm picking it. Okay. All right. Nick's locked in. Uh, neighbor's yard <laughs> decorations. Again, it's Christmas time. You might have, uh, you know, something of weight or a yard gnome or something like that that you maybe throw through. Uh, a brick is easily accessible in, in a lot of front yards or 
maybe you had a jar of no, maybe he tomato the, and basil. Maybe he or the ant. Is this the last question or is there one more? We got one more. Maybe we'll he ripped the antlers off one, of, I'm, of I'm going the reindeer. pasta sauce as well. It's just so obscure compared That's to the other saying. ones. That's know? what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, boys, we get back to the Florida man. It is pasta sauce. Yeah. Uh, Florida man disguised <laughs> in a bull costume attempts to break into X's house using pasta sauce. And I love this, too, because it says attempts, which means he failed. Well, using the, the pasta sauce to get in. I mean, throw it out a window or something, but I guess he failed. At well, whatever, but if you but... throw the jar of pasta sauce at a window, the, the, the jar is just going to break. Probably. Which before is probably the window, what happened. Right? Yeah. No, I think the window would break first because I the think mass idea. is coming from the jar. Are you sure? That's I don't what, know. Well, that's uh, what I thought. It, it would, it do we have a window that I mean, we, we could willingly Do we have a window that we could willingly break? There's one that leads to nowhere. Uh, I'm going to buy a jar of pasta sauce. All right, so you both got the point there. It is now 3-2. to two. Nick still with the uh, slim lead here, uh, but we'll go into the final one. Still two redacted right. words. Fourth Eighth. quarter, here we go. That's, that's right. Got to hang on to the lead. Defense coming out here for, for Mr. Springer. Florida, a Florida cop claims that Burger King put blank on his burger. Upon investigation, it was blank. <laughs> so we'll start with the first redacted word. A Florida clop cop claims that Burger King either put dirt, pop rocks, or cinnamon on his burger, though upon investigation it was blank. So we'll start with the first one. Dirt, pop rocks, or cinnamon? I don't feel like it's cinnamon. I think it's probably either... What? What are you laughing about? No, I'm just laughing about like thinking like... You put pop rocks on my burger. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is saying, so ridiculous. I think the pop rocks. I think I don't think it's pop rocks either because it's like, it's pop rocks. So ridiculous. First of all, who even would like look at that and be like, like if if there was some <laughs> random stuff in my burger, I'd be like, dude, this is pop rocks. Rainbow colored. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I mean like, like that's the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, obviously like the cinnamon and the dirt. I think. Are pretty similar because they're brown and they could be conceived as and like the grainy kind of feel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing it's dirt. I, I'm I going with dirt. Yeah, I'm gonna go with dirt also. I think it's got to be dirt. I'm going dirt because it's probably like pepper or cinnamon or something. And he, he it's thought something it was dirt, that's not you know? dirt. Yeah, yeah. Because no. that would make you the most mad. He'd be like, yeah, like if you put if, dirt on my burger, like cinnamon. You jerk, you know? I don't know. Like, like cinnamon, that's weird. But has anybody ever had cinnamon on a burger? It might be kind of good. I don't know. <laughs> I never have. Or pop rocks. Yeah, or right. You never know. I'm drawing the line with pop rocks. Might happen. I'm drawing the line with pop rocks so it is uh both locking in on dirt yeah. here Derek yeah. and Nick. okay good deal and now you can kind of play the smart game because all you got to do is pick Derek's answer and well, no, you can I'm lock in a win first was it dirt uh it was dirt okay there we go both right there we go claims burger king put dirt on his burger upon investigation it was actually just expired meat a molded bun or extra seasoning I mean, you have to go first because I'm down. So I, <laughs> I think you both. I mean, let's see. Okay. The moldy bun, wouldn't it be like green, not brown, if it was mold? Yeah, but you might not be able to see it. And then the So I don't know whatever, if it's the I mean, moldy bun. What was the other option? Moldy uh, bun. The expired meat. So it's, it, I mean, all of them could kind of potentially yeah. have that weird, uh, like, grainy, like, Yeah, I guess expired meat. Like, the the funny like part possible. about the moldy bun one is that this guy, if that was the one, He's complaining about there being dirt on the burger, but not a moldy bun. <laughs> yeah, no. he obviously well, didn't look saying, very like, hard. I, yeah. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, it, wouldn't it be different? Or wouldn't it look different? I I, th- I would think so. Usually it it's certainly like that taste I think I'm just going to go with extra seasoning. Extra seasoning for Nick. Lock it in. Okay. okay so I'm not going to take the moldy, moldy bun. I don't like or that one. expired so meat. I guess expired I have meat. to go expired meat. I do think you have the right answer, but for the sake of the competition, I'll go expired meat. Well, I'm not confident in my answer. 
here's what it is because Derek, as always, you gave this one to him here. I'll tell you what. Mm. What a beautiful three-point win hey. on that one and a week two victory for Let's Nick. I think you actually tied the overall aggregate points because you took three points in that final one. That's I, a huge uh, win. I, I tried to give you guys a cliffhanger on that last one, but I, I think I failed a little bit. But <laughs> See, you know, this here works it out. I lost, but I can just say, well, happy birthday. I just <laughs> let you win. Here's yeah, your thanks. birthday gift. I didn't try. Mordecai <laughs> claims Burger King put dirt in uh, on his burger upon investigation. It was extra seasoning. So... Boy, I don't know what the heck he was tasting, but that's what it was. But I will, again, well, I'm, I, my question is there, did he even taste the burger? He might have just looked at it and thought it was weird. Or maybe he just got a bite that didn't really even have much of the burger, and it was just straight and salt and pepper. and mad. Or, yeah, just a, it happens sometimes when you yeah. have a rolled burrito. It's just yeah. a bite of sour cream sometimes, <laughs> you know? But nonetheless, thank you, gentlemen. Florida Man Mad Libs will be back next week. Nick ties Thanks. things up. Let's go. Thank Big guys. W. There we go. He's Sam Speck with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is Florida Man Mad Libs. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.